What's up, my fellow humans? I'm super excited to be joined by the co-host of my favorite podcast called Mind Pump. So I'm joined with Sal DeStefano, who is very experienced and, and knowledgeable in the health and fitness industry. And you know he's been a trainer for something close to 20 years, so he's been working with clients to help them lose weight and improve their health. He's been in the podcast industry for a really long time. So, you know, I think you're going to really enjoy the way that he explains his information. So in the beginning of this episode, we discuss some of the foundational tips for nutrition to improve your health and to lose weight. We then switch over to physical activity and talk about what the best type of exercise is to burn fat and also to improve your health. Now, at the end of this episode, we'll, we'll dive into a few practical uh, tips to get started with this type of exercise as well. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. Now, I also am really excited to announce that I've now moved my health coaching services to online. And this means that I can help clients lose weight or improve their health from anywhere in the world rather than just those that are with me here in Toronto. So if you're someone that's struggling to lose weight or struggling to improve their health, I work with clients to work with their nutrition, their physical activity, their stress management, their sleep, and the list goes on. Now, if you're interested, just go to healthsimpleinfo.com slash health dash coach. All right. I'll also put the link in the show notes so you can just click there. You'll see everything you need and what it's all about. Just shoot me a message or DM me on Instagram and uh, we'll see if it's a good fit. Anyway, enjoy the show, guys. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Health Simple Show. I'm your host, Kyle Reedhead, and I interview health and wellness experts from around the world to help you live healthy, happy, and stress-free. Enjoy the next show. Yeah, so Mind Pump, uh, the podcast, is part of the, the, our, our company, the, the media company, uh, but the podcast is, so far has uh, some of our largest reach. But really, the, the, the media, Mind Pump Media Company, we put together to create quality uh, fitness and health and wellness media through all the different uh, you know, new media outlets. So YouTube, podcast, um, we now have articles and blogs, um, and we create programs and guides. Um, but you know, our, our goal really is just to uh, disseminate uh, good quality uh, information with integrity in regards to fitness and health, we think that we thought that there was a, a need in the market for that, and there was a, a very low supply of it. Uh, and we try to do it in an entertaining way. We we know that when we entertain people, and we you know we come across as authentic and and you know ourselves, that people tend to hear what we have to say and uh, you know try to communicate it in a way that's the most effective as possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys do a great job at it. I mean, one thing I love about the Mind Pump podcast, anyway, the YouTube channel is great as well. I've spent hours on that thing learning about different exercises and, and rehab um, exercises, things like that. So, I mean, definitely if you're listening, check it out. It's really, really good. But the thing I like about the podcast is that it's not just your typical interview. I mean, we're doing an interview now, um, you know, kind of a discussion, but you guys are almost like, a, like an audio talk show. Um, and, you know, it's super, it's super interesting and it's, it's a lot more, you know, I think it's very fun. Uh, it's something that you can listen to every day and you guys just kind of, you know, go off the cuff. And I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than what most people are doing. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. We, you know, all of us were in the fitness industry for a long time. I've been doing this for about 20 years and I, and I trained clients for a long time. And about halfway through my career, 
I realized that uh, the information that I knew uh, was very important, uh, but ha- if I was able to communicate it effectively, was almost more important. You know, I, I, could, I could communicate four or five pieces of information, valuable pieces of information to a client, and if, but that if they didn't use any of them, if, th- if it didn't impact them in a way where they would implement it, then it was a waste of time. And so how we communicate uh, as fitness professionals, if you will, for lack of a better term, is just as important. You know, if I can get people to kind of hear what I have to say and change things in fundamental ways for themselves, uh, then I know I, I've succeeded. So it's really not about giving people the most information, although we are content machines and we do produce a lot of content. Uh, the goal is really to communicate in ways that you know are effective and get people kind of change things for themselves. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you guys simplify it and that's what's so great. I mean, that was kind of the idea when I started Health Simple as well is, I mean, it's called Health Simple. It's because there's so much out there. There's so many really good podcasts that I like, but I have a science background. So I can understand a lot of what they're talking about. But for the average person, I mean, when you go on to a, a podcast where they're just diving into science and research, I mean, they're lost, right? So that's one of the big things with, with Mind Pump and what, you know, why I was excited to have you on is because you guys speak to a good level, right? To a level where people can really understand and then actually just take it and apply it. And I think that's by far the most important thing when you're trying to help others change their lifestyle and change their health. Right. If, if, I mean, you know, the, the people who are most interested in the deep science uh, and the, you know, the, the, the advanced uh, techniques of training nutrition are people like you and I. Uh, we don't necessarily need you know, to, you know, help in those areas because we're so fascinated in, into them that we, you know, we make those changes ourselves. It's really the average person. The average person are the, is the person that, that needs to hear, um, you know, how to change their diet in ways that will help them with their health in ways that are sustainable for them. They, they're, the, they're the average person is the, the person that needs to hear the basic information on fitness, but communicate it in a way to where they start to implement it and, and, and improve their own fitness and health. So, those are the people that we're really trying to talk to. We're trying to talk to the average individual who, you know, might be interested in, okay, starting to feel better and maybe get a little bit healthier. Yeah, exactly. So let's kind of, I want to start to pick your brain a little bit and get some of that information out because I think, you know, what you do share is really important. And what's really cool about Mind Pump as well is, you know, you don't focus on one topic. It's nutrition, mindfulness, you know, relationships, fitness, kind of, you know, you guys talk about literally everything. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, it can health and wellness and kind of change the lifestyle can be overwhelming. Um, when it comes to health, especially for, for someone who's new, and I mean, this answer can go anyway, but let's try to generalize it here as much as possible. Is there an area that you think that people need to focus on the most or should start to focus on? You know, I think simplifying um, the message and simplifying how they approach their health is probably a good place to start. Like, so if I, if I got a new client, you know, I could, I could easily list, you know, 20 different things that they could do to help themselves get to whatever goal that they may have set. But uh, I know it's not an effective way to get them, uh, you know, to move forward, at least not in a, in a long-term way. So what I'll do is I'll pick one thing and we'll focus on that thing and try to make that one thing become, you know, a fundamental change that they've made this long-term and then we'll move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as nutrition is concerned, I think a good place for people to start, uh, you know, without having to worry about all the different, you know, diets like paleo and keto and even tracking your macros, which I think is a, uh, an important fundamental place to start as well. But even before I get there, 
I, I like to tell people to simply try to avoid most heavily processed foods. Now, the reason why I do that is uh, it's, it's pretty black and white. So I explain to them what a, what a heavily processed food is, which is are, are foods that are uh, typically have a long shelf life, are packaged, uh, frozen, things that you can, you can buy and you can store for a year or two. So they're not fresh foods, right? Yeah. And the reason why I tell people to just stay away from those generally to start with is because uh, processed foods are designed to get you to eat more, okay? So I know that when I eliminate that, or at least when they reduce that, they're probably going to make more, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, more accurate food decisions uh, in terms of benefiting their health. Your body actually comes with these, these natural systems of satiety that kind of tell you when you, need, you, when you should stop eating, but they're hijacked when we eat processed foods because they're, inge- they're engineered to make us want to eat more. I mean, most of the money that goes into designing these foods and putting them together is not in their nutrition value. It's really in how do we make this as palatable as possible? How do we make it taste as good as possible? Have the right crunch and the right feel and the right texture and smell and, you know, all in the, the right packaging. All, all these things go into palatability. So, you know, to give you a good example, it's very easy to eat 2,000 calories worth of potato chips, but it's very difficult to eat 2,000 calories worth of, you know, paint, plain uh, white baked potato. Yeah. And so when I tell people, you know, let's just start off by, you know, eliminating most of your heavily processed foods, uh, you tend to see them start to eat healthier as a natural consequence. The next step I take is then I, then I teach them what macronutrients are and how to count them um, and, uh, and how to figure out how many calories they're burning and to stay within a particular target. And that's not a place that we want to stay in, but it's definitely a good place to start because people can start to educate themselves, you know, on, oh, this has this many grams of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. This has this many calories. It looks like I'm over-consuming because my metabolism is only burning this many calories just to bring a certain level of awareness. That's typically a good place to start uh, with nutrition. As far as activity is concerned, uh, you know, there's two things I like to do with people. Uh, One is I'll, I'll have them, if they have access to a step tracker, I'll have them wear a step tracker just so we can, we can monitor their, you know, one of the main, main forms of their daily activity, which is their steps. Mm-hmm. And once we find that baseline, then we'll increase it uh, by a little bit. So if, I, if you come back to me and I see after two weeks, okay, your average is about 4,000 steps a day. Let's bring that up to about 5,000 or 6,000 a day. So that already is giving them a little bit of mindfulness in terms of their activity level. And we'll add a little bit of resistance training to their to the routine. Typically, when I start working out with someone, I'll have them lift weights with me anywhere, anywhere between one to three days a week. So on average, about twice a week. And, and the goal of resistance training uh, initially is to, you know, give them better movement patterns. But really uh, what we're trying to do is, is to give them a metabolism that is better equipped to deal with, uh, with modern life. Uh, you know, in other words, we want to have a faster metabolism. And resistance training provides that uh, better than any other form of exercise. And, you know, people wonder, well, why do I want a faster metabolism so I can, so I can be skinnier? Well, that's part of it, definitely. But a faster metabolism uh, uh, being the result of, you know, a little bit more muscle on your body um, increases insulin sensitivity. Uh, it, it, it gives your body the ability to store, you know, glycogen or glucose a little bit better, gives you more strength and mobility. And then, of course, you know, if you burn more calories, it, you have a wonderful insurance against eating too much food and against a sedentary lifestyle, which you know, modern life does not lend itself well to activity. It's, you have to go out of your way to move 
with modern life. So it's, it's good to have a faster metabolism in that particular case. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. Uh, I love that. And that's kind of the same path that I take uh, my clients on as well. Uh, it's funny, I just actually did a post today uh, all about kind of three simple uh, food rules to live by. And it's essentially just eating real food, you know, foods that roam the earth, foods that swam in the water or foods that were grown in the earth, right? right. Um, and foods that were either foods that were cooked by humans or made by humans, or sorry, not made by humans and foods that will rot eventually. And that's exactly, I literally posted that like 20 minutes before we started recording this. So Excellent. Uh, yeah, right in line there. Now the resistance training is very interesting. You said, you know, I think a lot of people when they are looking to, to lose weight or get into exercise, you know, they want to burn as many calories as they can, or they want to sweat as much as they can. Uh, and this is why you're seeing a lot of the, you know, circuit type training and, you know, you see cardio all the time. These things are very popular. How is it? Can you sort of compare resistance training to these and why resistance training is superior in your, uh, in your opinion? Yeah. So when you look at exercise, there's kind of two things that are happening, two general things that are happening. Now, one is, you know, every time you, you, you move, you, you, your body burns more calories. So there's the, the calorie burn of the exercise itself. But then there's another part, there's another aspect that uh, a lot of people don't, don't understand or don't consider. And that is the, the type of adaptation that your form of exercise is asking uh, or, or demanding upon your body. Okay. So we'll use running, uh, long distance running uh, as an example. When you run, you're burning a lot of calories per time being spent exercising. In fact, running probably is one of the number one uh, top calorie burners, uh, you know, when you compare it to other forms of exercise head to head for time. So like an hour of running is going to burn more calories than let's say an hour of, uh, of lifting weights in the traditional sense. So there's that. However, the, 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 the adaptation that running is asking upon your body uh, in the long term is not conducive to, um, you know, maintaining a lean body weight, especially in, like I said, the context of modern life where food is so plentiful. When you're running long distance, you are asking your body to improve its ability to run long distance. And so what, do you, what does your body need to do in order to do that? Well, it needs to have more endurance, which doesn't require lots of muscle. In fact, endurance requires, especially with low, low resistance, which is what running is, requires very, very little muscle. So you don't need a lot of muscle. You're burning a lot of calories while you're doing it. And so your body's trying to become efficient at that activity. Because remember, your body is the result of, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution and we evolve in during times of food scarcity. So your body's always seeking out ways to utilize calories as efficiently as possible to so not burn, burn, you know, tons of calories. It would be like having a, you know, a, it would be like if gas was a thousand dollars a gallon, uh, you wouldn't want to buy a, a car that, you know, was a, was a V8, right? You'd want to conserve as much as possible because it was very expensive. And so your body with long distance running becomes more efficient with calories, doesn't need a lot of muscle, a pair of muscle down since muscle is a, a, a major calorie burner, and you end up burning less and less calories over time while you're doing that running because you're becoming more efficient at it. So over time, you actually end up uh, slowing your metabolism down and burning less calories every time you do it. Um, and so over time, it's, this is not necessarily a good thing. Now, resistance training, on the other hand, Resistance training doesn't burn as many calories per time being spent. It'll, it'll burn far fewer calories than running will. However, the adaptation that you're asking upon your body is completely different. When you're lifting weights, 
you're telling your body that you need more strength. And the only way to get stronger, at least in a, in a, in a fundamental long, long-term way, is to build more muscle. Now, of course, your body still wants to remain efficient. However, the damage that's called for, caused from resistance training, which is you know, one of the main reasons why resistance training builds muscle, is telling your body to prioritize strength over an efficient metabolism. And so over time, you get more muscle and you get stronger, but you also speed up your metabolism. So over the course of a year, you know, you may be, although your workouts are, aren't burning tons of calories, your metabolism might be three to 600 calories faster every single day, just being yourself, just mm-hmm. sitting there. You have a faster metabolism. And that brings up another point, which is, you know, manually burning calories is a very, it's a lot of work. Uh, and it takes time, and it, of course, it takes effort. Speeding up your metabolism or just having a faster metabolism, well, that stays with you whether you're, you know, you're sitting down at your desk you know, working or you're reading or you're walking or whatever, uh, you have that faster metabolism, so you burn more calories automatically. So you know, I'll take, for example, a, a, you know, a female client who'll come see me who's trying to lose weight and her, let's say her, her, her basal metabolic rate or the amount of calories that she needs to consume to maintain her body weight is at 1400 calories. Well, over the course of, you know, six months or a year, I can get her to the point where her body's burning 2000 calories all on its own. And we don't require or need lots of manual calorie burning. She doesn't have to do tons of cardio every single day to maintain that. Um, And her metabolism isn't adapting in a way that's slowing down over time anyway. So it's just when we view it in the context of modern life, uh, again, you, the, the best insurance against, highly palatable food around us all the time and against a lifestyle that is naturally conducive to being sedentary, a faster metabolism is a very good thing. It's not necessarily a good thing if we're hunter-gatherers and food is scarce and we don't have much food. You don't necessarily want to burn tons of calories in that particular scenario, but the average you know, person in modern Western societies uh, isn't in that situation. So basically what you're saying is that if you have more muscle – you can actually eat more food and you'll still lose more weight than if you had no muscle. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really, that's a, that's a big thing. You know, that's a, that's a big deal right there. Yeah. I mean, if you, you, you consider, you know, if you eat an additional, let's say you eat, uh, you know, 50 more calories than you burn um, on, on a daily basis, right? That's all you do. Just 50 every single day over, what you're, what you're burning. Okay. That's going to result in the, at the end of the year of about an 18,250 calorie surplus. And what that means is you've, you've now consumed over that year of just 50 more calories, which is like literally two bites of a cookie or, or, or a sip or two of a soda. It's nothing, right? Yeah. But over the course of a year, that's roughly going to turn into about five pounds of body fat. So and what do people tend to do over the years, right? They'll gain five pounds over, over the course of a year or five pounds. Over, next thing you know, three years later, they're 15 pounds overweight. Oh my God, what have I done? I don't even think I've been eating that more, that much more. Well, let's flip that on its head and let's say we speed up someone's metabolism. And I do this all the time where I'll get someone's metabolism to amp up three to 800 calories, which isn't, you know, isn't that hard at all. Well, they could eat more and still be in a potential calorie deficit resulting in fat loss mm-hmm. over that year versus fat gain. So it's just, uh, it's, and it's, it's too bad because it's not the message that is, is being communicated to people, or at least not to the, to the mainstream. You know, you go to the doctor, 
uh, and they tell you 30 minutes of vigorous activity every single day. That's barely a dent. Yeah. You know, it's barely, I mean, now I'm not discouraging anybody from being active. There's other benefits, but when you compare it to, you know, having that, that wonderful insurance of more muscle, increased insulin sensitivity, because also as, as you know, we, we age, insulin insensitivity is, becomes a major, major factor in poor health, resulting in everything from dementia and Alzheimer's to diabetes. Uh, you know, resistance training is just superior. Yeah. You know what? That's a great point, Sal. There really are so many additional benefits to resistance training outside of just the aesthetics like fat loss and, and muscle building. Now, I want to go back to the cardiovascular aspect uh, that we touched on before because there's something here that's really important, I think, for people to understand. And that's, as you touched on, the more that you participate in cardiovascular activity, so long distance running or biking or steady state cardio, each time you do it, you become more efficient at it, which means that you burn less calories doing the same amount of work. Now, this is a recipe for disaster because it just means that you're going to have to continue to run or, or exercise for longer periods of time in order to continue to lose weight or even to maintain the weight that you're at. That or you're going to have to eat much less. You're going to have to get more of a calorie deficit. Now, on the other hand, and by the way, that typically results in some sort of burnout. Now, on the other hand, you have resistance training. And, you know, when you work out, you're going to continue to build muscle or, you know, tone your muscle or at least maintain it, which is going to continue to burn the same or more amount of calories. So it's not that resistance training is an easier way to lose weight. Because, I mean, resistance training isn't easy by any means, but it's definitely more efficient uh, for your time and for what you're going to be doing while exercising. Right. And I'm not saying don't do cardio. Uh, what, I'm, what I am saying is cardiovascular activity has uh, some other benefits that you, you should not ignore. Mm -hmm. But the one form of exercise that you should be doing is resistance training. Yeah. It's not the one you should only be doing. But it is the one you should be doing, absolutely. Every single person uh, has, will benefit from resistance training in very in, important ways. And I can't say that about other forms, necessarily of other forms of exercise. And so, but the message has been, the, it hasn't been that way at all. Resistance training is almost never the primary form of exercise that's recommended yeah, by yeah. You know, medical professionals, professionals or, or mainstream you know, fitness information. But it definitely should be. I think, too, a lot of it's just because of the bro science and, you know, you get the big jack guys in the gym that kind of scare everyone away from doing resistance training. And, and part of that, and a lot of, especially females, when you tell them that they should resistance train, well, they say, well, I don't want to get bigger. You know, you see people in the gym, they're just getting huge. I don't want to get big and bulky. What do you have to say about that? Uh, well, building muscle, building big muscles is very, very hard. I wish it was that easy. Um, you know, yeah, it's a very it's a <laughs> slow process. You definitely get a metabolism boost. But building like substantial amounts of muscle, boy, is that a hard process. So, uh, and here's, here's the thing for women. Women uh, just genetically are not uh, predisposed to building massive muscles. So, uh, women can lift weights like a bodybuilder um, for, you know, two or three years. And usually the result of that is a very sculpted, tight-looking uh, body with good shape. It's extremely rare for a female to lift weights 
and build the, you know, that, that, what, what, what someone, women would consider masculine looking muscle. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very rare, rare thing indeed. And when you see the, the women that do build that kind of muscle, what you're dealing with usually is, are the genetic anomalies like the Serena Williams, who's just a, a freak of nature athletically. And you probably don't fall in that category. And the second thing is many of these women are on, you know, anabolic hormones like testosterone that, you know, sends this hormonal signal to build muscle and essentially become more, more male, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's not a problem. And if you were one of those genetic anomalies that built muscle very quickly, first of all, you're blessed. <laughs> Second of all, uh, it does, still doesn't happen overnight. And so the, you know, my advice to women is this, train like you're trying to build as much muscle as possible. And if you do run into the circumstance where you look in the mirror and say, okay, this is all the muscle I want. I don't want to get any more toned or sculpted. You could always change your routine and change the type, you know, the, the type of exercises you do uh, to stop trying to build more muscle. But you, you're going to get yourself there much faster if you try to train in a way that builds muscle. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if it was easy to build muscle, we'd all be just jacked out of our minds. <laughs> it's not easy. Muscle is expensive. It's expensive tissue. Your body doesn't want to have a lot of muscle unless it needs to because, again, it's always trying to, uh, you know, conserve energy and become more efficient with calories. I mean, here's an easy example. If you, if you put your leg in a cast for five days and then took the cast off, you would notice you, you, lo you would lo lose significant amount of muscle in five days. In five days, you'll see your leg lose muscle just from not moving it for five days. That's how quickly your body adapts in that direction because it's always trying to be more efficient. Now, trying, now if, you're, if you're working out to try to build muscle, you got to give your body a good reason why it should build muscle, which is why exercise programming uh, you know, and how you train the body and how you treat your resistance training and, of course, nutrition play such vital roles in trying to gain that little bit of muscle that's so difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've seen sort of recently, uh, and part of it, you know, you got, you got CrossFit that has become so big, uh, but you also have, you know, circuit training, right? I don't know if you guys have F45 in the US, we have them here in Canada, everywhere. Uh, and these type of gyms and this type of workout has, has blown up in the past, I don't know, five, 10 years. And it's where, you know, it's resistance training where you're lifting weights, yet you're doing a whole bunch of other things along with it. Um, and this is something that, you know, everyone's kind of flocking to. Do you find that this is going to give the same sort of benefit as just doing resistance training? No, no. It's, it's cardio with weights. Um, when you do circuit type training um, and you're lifting weights and you're not resting and you're moving from exercise to exercise, you're, you're uh, asking your body to adapt in similar ways to what uh, regular cardio, maybe a little bit more you know, uh, resistance training, um, you know, focused, or in other words, you're, you're, you might ask the body to build a little bit more muscle, mm -hmm. but no, it's mainly an endurance and stamina adaptation, which, like I said earlier with cardio, you're, you're telling your body to become more efficient. You know, when you, when you, when you work out, when you train, there's different energy demands that you ask upon your body. And the energy demand that, that tells the body to build muscle is the explosive short-term bursts of energy. Uh, so it uses a different form of energy known as uh, ATP, which kind of runs your body, adenosine triphosphate. And, you know, if I lift weights for, let's say, 10 repetitions, that's mainly the form of energy that I'm using. And that form of energy signals my body when I burn that and, and I don't focus on keep going and, and burning, and, you know, building endurance. Yeah, it's yeah. telling my body to get stronger. Okay, we got to get stronger. We got to get stronger. If I pass that and I go past that and I go into this, you know, endurance type of thing, 
it's asking my muscles to just become more efficient with their energy demands, not necessarily to become stronger. And that's what you'll find. So if you do lots of circuit training, you'll notice your strength doesn't go up that much. You'll get much more endurance, but you're not going to increase your strength that much. So it's the strength that you want to go after. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a value and benefit to circuit training. I think in the short term, if you were to do it for a three to four week period of time, it's a very effective way to burn lots of calories mm-hmm. and it'll give you really you know, fast results. But if you stay on that, pace, on that path, you'll find again that your metabolism starts to slow down. You get no more results and then you may actually start to see yourself uh, slide backwards. Well, one of the things that I see with circuit training and, and CrossFit as well, and not to make fun of CrossFit because I think it, it is great. I think it has great principles, um, although I think people take advantage of it but is, is the injury rate from these types of training as well, right? Because resistance training is not an easy thing to do. You really need to learn your movements and how to do it properly to prevent injury. And, and resistance training can be great for actually preventing injury into old age. But when you're doing it and you're fatigued completely, I mean, there's a big risk there to, to injure yourself and to get into bad forms while you're lifting weights, right? Right. So, you know, I, I Along, I don't, you know, I don't know when this kind of changed. It was a while ago, but people started to view exercise from the lens of, or through the lens of, you know, I got to get, I got to sweat, I got to be sore, and it needs to be hard. Mm-hmm. Instead of, uh, this is a skill uh, that I need to learn and practice. Okay, so when I'm doing circuit training in particular, the 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 goal is sweat and move and keep going until I can't do anymore. You know, it's all about this intensity. Well, when you're fatiguing like that and pushing like that, form breaks down, things become loose, injuries tend to occur. But even more than that, you know, if you go into resistance training, especially as a beginner, your body has these uh, pre, kind of preset, uh, you know, recruitment patterns and movement patterns that you've developed through your whole life. You know, so like if you sit down a lot, uh, at, you know, all day long at work and at home, um, and you're not that active, and every time you are active, you, you have this, these patterns. These are your default patterns, and you become best at these deep default patterns. I use this analogy all the time, so I'll, I'll, I'll share it on your show. Sure. Um, if I learned how to use a typewriter with just my two index fingers, and I did that for years, I would get pretty darn good at using my two index fingers. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, if, if somebody came up to me all of a sudden and said, hey, you know, let me show you this new way of typing and using all of your fingers, it's going to make you much faster. Well, you know, for the first few months, I'm, I'm not going to be faster using all my fingers. I'm going to be faster using my default pattern, the one that I'm best at doing, even though, you know, using all of my fingers is, is a much better approach. Now, if I stick with it and move with it over a period of time, I'm going to surpass my previous speed and become much better and more efficient at typing. Well, you have these default patterns in your body because you don't exercise or because you're a beginner or whatever. When you go to the gym and just train to fatigue, you aren't training better recruitment patterns. You're strengthening the old ones. Because you're fatigued. Your body's moving in a way that it moves best because that's the way you always move. So you never, you never give yourself an opportunity to develop better movement patterns, which then can become much more effective at preventing injury, getting you to build more muscle, and burn more body fat. And circuit training encourages that kind of shitty form where you, you know, okay, I'm going to do the first few reps perfect, but now I'm getting tired. My body automatically is going to move to its default pattern, which is, is the way my body knows how to move better, but it's not an ideal way to move, especially not in the long term. If you do traditional resistance training, you should approach it with the idea that I'm going to learn the skill and I'm going to the gym to practice. I'm not going to the gym to beat the crap out of myself. I'm going to the gym to get really good 
at these fundamental movements. And so I go to the gym and I squat and I perfect my squat and I press and I perfect my press and I perfect my row. And over time, the perfect form becomes my default pattern. And over time, I'm able to apply higher and higher levels of fatigue and intensity without my form breaking down. And this is why it takes a while before, one of the reasons why it takes a while before you can really beat yourself up in the gym. Well, you nailed it on the head with, it's a skill, right? It's a foundational movement that really, you know, if you look at us as a, as a little baby, I mean, it's something that, you know, we can do well. You see a little kid squat and they're unreal, you know, neutral spine, the knees are out, everything is just perfect. And then we, we get those imbalances. And so really what it is, is that resistance training should be your foundation where you start, you learn it all. And then it's like, okay, now if you want to move on to other things, it may be okay. Because I mean, I see people in yoga all the time. And I mean, there's no there's not a lot of load other than body weight in yoga, but I still see people with knees going in and just brutal form when they're doing these like fast kind of flow yogas. And I'm thinking, you know, they really need to get into the gym and start learning it as a skill first. And then you can, then it translate over into yoga or it translates into, um, you know, circuit training. And I think that's something you guys talked about on the podcast last week. And I thought that was really cool is that resistance training really is something that can translate into all the other types of, of exercise as well. It's the most modifiable uh, form of exercise um, that exists. So when you do, you know, let's say I'm going to go swimming and I'm going to use swimming as, as my workout or I'm going to run or I'm going to do, like you said, like yoga. Um, there's a particular type of movement and exercise that, that qualifies it as yoga or qualifies it as running or swimming. Resistance training is more of a, uh, a philosophy of exercise. It's more, uh, it's not necessarily a specific thing. It's much more, it's using resistance, but pretty much almost in any way that I, that I can within a particular set of parameters. Um, I can train someone who, you know, is injured. I can train someone who's tall, short, skinny, fat. Somebody who's a complete beginner, someone who can't even get off the couch to somebody who's extremely advanced. The weights follow the person. The person don't, doesn't have to follow the weights. That's not necessarily true for other forms of exercise. Uh, the other thing you want to consider is that strength is the foundation of all physical pursuits and strength contributes to all physical pursuits. And so what I mean by that is if I dramatically increase my endurance, I probably won't influence my strength that much. But if I dramatically increase my strength, my endurance will actually go up a little bit. And this is true for, for most things. And so if we understand that it's that foundation and we apply it properly, you're going to notice improvements in almost all aspects of your you know, performance. Yeah, completely agree. I love that. Now, for those that are listening and, and, you know, there may be some people listening right now that go, okay, I'm going to start resistance training for the first time. They've never done it. Um, where do you typically start? I mean, there's, there's machines, there's free weights, there's cables, there's kettlebells, body weight. Actually, there's so many different, you know, types of resistance training. And maybe that's a reason why people tend to shy away from it. Um, how do you really simplify this for your clients? And, and what do you recommend? You know, if we're looking at the individual, we have to assess them first to, to you know, figure out what the, 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 the best movement patterns are to, um, you know, to encourage. But to give you more of a general answer uh, for your audience, you know, you want to be able to do a few fundamental things or movements um, and you want to be able to do them well. So one of them is squat. You want to be able to do a full squat. This is a fundamental human movement we've all lost in modern societies because we never sit in a squat. We all sit in chairs and nobody ever squats anymore. Um, it's very important. It's how we 
It's how we humans, you know, especially if you examine hunter gatherers, it's how humans sit. It's how we poop. It's how we give birth. Um, it's how we, you know, rest and relax. Um, and it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movement that even in, in athletics, if you get really good at squatting, you're really strong at squatting, it helps you perform better. So I always try to get clients to be able to squat properly. Sometimes it takes a long time and sometimes we never get there depending on the individual. But the goal is to be able to get them to do a good full squat with good control and good stability. The second thing I, I try to get people to do is to do a proper row. It's another fundamental movement. Rowing would be pulling something towards your body, towards your, your midsection. And what I'm looking for is, do I have a good scapular retraction? Are the shoulder blades pulling back? Are the shoulders trying to shrug up? Because we don't want that to happen. Do they roll forward as you pull back? We don't want that to happen. We want a good, efficient, uh, ideal type of a row. So then this, the other thing I do is I try to get people to be able to row uh, properly with good uh, mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, then I try to get people to press something above their head with full extension. You'll find that as people age, they lose that ability. They lose the ability to fully extend their arms up above their head without lots of compensation from their low back uh, or from you know hurting their shoulders or whatever. And again, that's another fundamental movement, being able to reach up above your head. Shoulder mobility is extremely important. And that's, a, that's a part of it. And then finally, do we have good rotation in the body? Can somebody twist with good control, good full range of motion, um, and good stability? Um, And I'll work on a person's ability to twist their body, um, not haphazardly, of course, but with good control and good stability. And those are some of the fundamental foundational movements that I'll I'll work on and and different varieties and versions of each of them. I mean, there's there's a 101, you know, versions of varieties of each of those things that I just mentioned. Yeah. I love that you said overhead press too, because I mean, that's the one where most people say, you know, unless you've been going to the gym for a while, you shouldn't overhead press. And I think people need to understand that this is a, this is just a functional movement that you should be able to do. And if you don't do it, you're only going to get worse at doing it as you age. And I mean, how many times in a day do you have to put your arms over your head? I mean, my, my dad can't even do it anymore. And it's like, it's gotta be a pretty frustrating thing when you're in the kitchen or you're trying to do certain things because he just doesn't have that capability to, to move it up overhead without pain, right? So I, I agree. It's a skill that, that we all need to train and need to learn and, and put your shoulder into those positions rather than just say, don't do it because you might get hurt. Right. Consider, it's, consider that, you know, you may be in a situation where you can't, uh, you know, press overhead with, so you have to start somewhere else. But the goal is to get you to the point that you can lift your arms up above your head uh, with good shoulder mobility. So that's the goal. Again, like just like the squat. Like I've had clients who I worked with for years and we never got to the point, you know, maybe they were older, they had a previous injury or their mobility was so terrible uh, that, you know, I trained them for two or three years and we never quite got them to be able to comfortably squat. But we've always moved them in that direction. And as we continue to move in that direction, their overall quality, their overall quality of movement uh, improved uh, dramatically. Yeah, for sure. You know, what's funny is, I think it was last week, I saw a post on Instagram and it was someone who took a picture of their TV screen because it was a, uh, a news channel and it said, the, the four exercises you should never do if you're above the age 50. Can you guess yeah, what it's it was? Insane. Squat, yeah. deadlift, push-up, and I think it was a row or something like that. Absolutely insane. And you I know, was just like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, that's not, that's not good advice at all. It's terrible advice. The reason why they say I know why they say it, it's because the average person can't do those things. And so if they go and just go try them, they hurt themselves. But it's absolutely asinine and silly 
that they would say, stay away from these movements. You know what happens when you stay away from a movement? You'll never be able to do it. Never. Take your, you, if you took your arm and taped it to your side and never lifted it out to your side and walked around like that for five years and then took the tape off, I guarantee you, you'd have a lot of trouble lifting your arm out to its side, which is a very basic movement. The human body is desi- was evolved to do all of those things. Just because we've lost our ability to do them doesn't mean that now we should never do them. It means that we should move towards the ability to be able to do those with good control and good stability. And once you're there, you got to keep doing them because if you stop, you'll lose it. That's what happens with the body. It just, it doesn't, it, you know, your, your body doesn't maintain something it doesn't think it needs to. Uh, so you got to constantly remind their body and send the signal. Oh, no, no, I need to be able to squat. No, 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 I need to be able to deadlift. I need to be able to row so your body will maintain it. Your body adapts to the stimulus that you give it, right? And that's what we talked about earlier where instead of doing cardio, we're doing resistance training so that your body will build muscle. It's the same with movement. As long as you're moving in the right planes, and then your body's going to adapt and be able to move in those planes. So Your, bo- your uh, body will also adapt to the stimulus you don't give it. You know, exactly. it, it adapts. To, it's, it's constantly trying to adapt to its environment, whether you're out in the sun or you're handling rough objects and you get calluses or you're sitting down all day long and watching TV um, or you're moving and lifting weights or whatever, your body's constantly moving in a direction to become better at uh, what you do most. And so that includes nothing. So if you do nothing all the time, your body will get really good at doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't want that. And now, I just want to go back to, you know, how to train and kind of the, the principles of it. And one of the things that I think is important for a newcomer to understand is that, you know, oftentimes when someone gives you a workout program, there's 20 different exercises in it, right? You got bicep curls, you got this and that and lateral raises. And it's like, as you said, it's a skill that you need to learn. And if you have 20 different exercises to do, it's going to be very difficult to learn that skill. So pick the best ones, the best bang for your buck. And that's the ones that you mentioned. You're your big compound movements, because those are going to allow you to build the most muscle in the most areas. And those are just the most functional ones in life as well. Yeah, they have the most carryover. That's for sure. I mean, you, you, you get really good at uh, a squat, your, your knee extending muscles, your quadriceps are going to get much stronger than if you just did knee extensions or, you know, uh, you know, leg extensions, for example. So and your body moves better in unison than it does isolated. Now that doesn't mean there isn't any benefit to isolation type movements. There definitely is, especially when you're trying to add frequency and volume, or if you're trying to do correctional exercise, many times uh, it's important to isolate muscles to get them to move and get the person to feel them so that they can use them in, in efficient, effective ways when they're doing these big gross motor movements. But yep, yeah, you can't compare the gross motor movements are uh, by all, almost all, all measures, uh, the superior ones and the ones that you should probably focus most of your time on. Yeah. Now, one of the great, the best resources from Mind Pump is their YouTube channel. So if you want to learn how to squat or you want to learn how to, to row or really, I'm, I'm assuming you guys have pretty much any movement because I know I've seen a ton of them. You guys literally have series breaking down. Here's, you know, if your ankles are stiff, here's what you need to do. If your hips are stiff, here's what you need to do. And it basically goes through everything, every question you could possibly have in these movements. So I'd highly recommend checking them out. Um, they'll, they'll really help you be able to actually get to that movement and get that mobility to be able to get, do that movement properly. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. So listen, I have, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to, uh, say to our audience here, but I have one question that I ask, uh, all the guests, but before that, is there anything that's burning in your head that you still want to share that we kind of missed through this conversation? 
No, I, I think, um, you know, I think if you approach your fitness and health from a position of uh, self-care, um, you know, like you want to, you want to, you want to try and take care of yourself, that tends to, to move people in the right direction versus motivating yourself by, you know, self-hate. I hate the way I look. I hate my body type of deal. That tends to push us in the direction of punishing ourselves and treating exercise, not as a skill, but rather as a punishment. Um, and then, you know, that point right there, when you go to the gym and when you do work out, aim to perfect and get good at the movements rather than trying to just get sore and sweat. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the moderate and in the long term, you'll see far superior results uh, from that mentality uh, versus the, you know, the one where you're just trying to beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, so here's the final question here for you. Um, I mean, you've been through a health journey of, I think you said 20 years now, you've been in the fitness industry. I mean, you may have been working on your, your health for, for longer than that, but knowing everything that you currently know, if you were to go back to the very beginning when you were just starting out and you were to lose everything that you know right now, what would be the one thing you'd want to keep with you or the one thing that, that one piece of advice that you want to know when you're just starting out? Oh, well, since when I first started, I was 14 and my goal was to build as much muscle as possible. Uh, if, if I just knew to focus on the big gross motor movements and just to practice them and do them three days a week and that's it, would have made a huge difference. Yeah. What if? I wish I would have done that too because, I mean, my ankles are, are crap so I can barely get into a squat and I've been working on it for years. So, you know, <laughs> if I was just doing it at a younger age, it would have made life just so much easier. For Absolutely. Sure. I definitely uh, appreciate that advice myself. So Perfect. Thank you. final thing, where can, uh, where can people find you and find, you know, Mind Pump? If you want to just kind of break down what you guys, you know, what you guys have and where you are on the internet, um, yes. people can check you out. Yeah. So our podcast is Mind Pump. You can find it on all platforms and our YouTube channel is Mind Pump TV. Um, my Instagram is where you can find me personally, uh, Mind Pump Sal. And then we also have a lot of guides that we write that are totally free. So, um, you know, guides on how to train your arms, your shoulders, your legs. Uh, you know, how to lose weight, how to do HIIT training properly. All of our guides can be found at mindpumpfree.com. Awesome. Well, Sal, listen, I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, you know, I, I love the, the information that you're putting out on a daily basis, really. Um, you know, your podcast is awesome. It's super interesting. And, and I know that it's helping, uh, you know, a lot of people improve their lifestyle. So, you know, we, we definitely appreciate, you know, you guys taking your time and your efforts to, to doing that. Um, so again, thanks, thanks for everything that you're doing and, and thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the health simple show. More importantly, I hope you learned something from it. If you did leave me a review on iTunes, it would mean the world to me.